The following is a production of DifferentBrains.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. Today, we talk with Tom McGranahan, author of Under Siege, Epilepsy in the Open, which keeps with our Different Brains philosophy of getting all this stuff out in the open so there's no stigma, no problem we can't handle. Right, Tom? Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, just introduce yourself to our audience, if you would. Uh, Tom McGranahan. I'm the uh, second oldest in a family of eight. And um, I've lived in Richmond, Virginia all my life. It's been growing good. I've married a beautiful woman who's cared for me and loved for me. And I'm still keeping my good looks. Opinions vary. <laughs> Many say I look like Shrek, but I don't know. Um, now, you've got a very distinguished uh, bunch of stuff here I want to read for our audience. You've got a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration. You were a member of the Virginia State Board for People with Disabilities back from 1995 to 99. And uh, you speak better than me yet 50% of the language section of your brain was removed in your fourth brain operation. And uh, you're really, really a great advocate for epilepsy, aren't you? Yes, I am. Try my best. Good. Why? That's the question I've asked the Lord why he's kept me alive. But actually, I think it's so I can speak out on epilepsy. It's something that is a, in dire need of our society. One example is the little book I wrote. There's only about 30 books out on epilepsy, written by anybody with epilepsy, whereas most all the other books are in the medical terminology aspect. When was your first seizure? Uh, age 10, playing kickball at the next door neighbor's house. What happened is the, I won't forget this, excuse me, but I ran to first base, he threw the ball to get me out, it went in between my legs, tripped me up, and I landed backwards, head first, on a corner of a brick. Uh, Cut my head pretty bad. The first time ever, I ran, jumped over the fence, yelling out, Mom, Mom. And I had to get like 25 stitches put on my head from the fall. And a few months later, I had my first seizure, woke up in the hospital. Now, what was the technology at that time? What technology was available when you were 10 years old? Did they have CAT scans yet? No, the doctors came up to me and told me to be careful. The next seizure could kill me. That's what he told me. That's all the technology there was on it. Fear. Fear. There, was no, there was no equipment of any nature, the MRIs, CAT scans, and there's very few medicines available, mostly Dilantin, Mycelene, and just a few others. I told about eight or nine. How did this affect you emotionally when you had your first seizure? I was totally caught off guard. I didn't know what to think or feel. I was looking at everybody else for answers because during the seizure, you're unconscious. You don't know what's happening. You want feedback from everybody else and nobody gave me any feedback. And so I was feeling puzzled about things. Like I was asking, what's the big deal? Why didn't anybody talk to me about it? I didn't feel lesser. I think being a 10 year old, <laughs> you don't worry about those factors. There's plenty of others, not to go too far to extreme, but I heard about a girl from Australia had one seizure. She was like 19 years old. She land blasted me when she found out that I was still driving after I'd been through getting my seizures back under control with medicine, but still having them. She was mad at me for driving since I kept having seizures. 
And I felt sorry for her because you don't live life in fear, thinking, oh my gosh, I have a seizure. I better not go do this. I have a seizure. I better not do that. You can't let your disability or disorder limit you. Yes, you got to walk your fine line, go by the doctor's instructions and eat right, sleep right, and so forth. But don't go dig a hole in the ground and go crawl inside that hole. This gift of life is a treasure. We should all make the most and best we can of it. Now, Tom, <clears throat> do you get an aura before you have a seizure? I used to at times. I've um, had all types. had the petite mouth, the grand mal, or excuse me, tonic-clonic, and the complex partials. And I've had, at times, I had ours. One example is the time I was on a 24, excuse me, 32-foot ladder doing some paint work, and I had an R. And I said, I better get off this ladder. So I got down to the ground, and sure enough, I had a grand mal seizure when I got down. It happened to me other times. I'd have R's, but then there'd be times there'd be no R's. Now, are you so, confident that um, you would get enough warning if you were, say, operating a motor vehicle? With the difference being between if you're climbing a ladder and you have a seizure and you fall off, you hurt yourself. If you're driving a car or shooting a gun or something, you have the potential to hurt somebody else. How do you feel about that? How do you address that in your, your way of thinking? I, of course, take the, the correct actions to take to keep myself from hurting anybody else in everyday activities. Like I don't wreck my car on anybody, smack anybody, so forth. Anyhow, I don't worry about the seizures. If they're going to happen when they're going to happen. I can't change that. I'm just going to do the best I can to go by the instructions that I'm told how to best behave and interact with others, so forth. But it's nothing to be intimidated by. You don't worry about being able to make it through the day if you're going to have a seizure and fall down and do this, do that. You keep, I don't want to sound religious, but you keep faith in God. And you keep faith in yourself that you're going to do the best you can no matter what. You don't let fears get to you. What prompted you to write Under Siege Epilepsy in the Open? There's no books out about it. My wife mentioned it. There's no books about it. I was stunned. I only saw about 10 books on epilepsy by somebody who has epilepsy. One of them was actually, she doesn't have it. She writes it for children who has it. I was stunned that there's no books out by anybody with epilepsy. I looked at the irony that I had the chance to write a book on that. Now, during your fourth surgery, my understanding is you had 50% of the part of the brain that controls your language removed. And how did you prepare for that going in? And tell us about the immediate aftermath. Did you know ahead of time they were going to be doing that? I had no idea. The first set of surgeries, they just took out what they thought might work. But since they didn't, and I had a couple of status lepicus seizures, which you can die from. In between then, I went for the second surgery. During that time, they found out I had trouble on the other side of the brain, too, not just the left side. So they took out more of the left side than needed to be safe. When I woke up, I was like a five-year-old kid again, looking outside, looking at the leaves in the tree, going, wow, look at those leaves. They look nice. I was like reborn. What I mean by that is each person is affected differently through their surgeries. Mine was, I, was, I had to learn, live up, grow up all over again. But it stopped the seizures. I had some memories taken away from me. 
<clears throat> one in particular was I was a basketball star. Being 6'4", I was 215 pounds. I was a big guy. Played lots of basketball. All those memories are gone. But it was worth it. I don't have any seizures. I'd rather have it that way than the other way around. <laughs> Six foot four. Wow. Um, did you have to experiment a lot with different medications? All medications is trial and error. That's all the doctors can go by. At different amounts at different times at different types. Right now, there's like 30-some medicines out on epilepsy, but they still got to go through different variations of the quantity, the timing, and the connection. between. I'm on three medicines, and see, it's through trial and error. Each person, that's how the doctors can find out. They'll narrow the search down to maybe 25% of what medicine's out there that's for their needs, but they still got it's just trial and error. Wait and see. And they all, uh, many of them have rather significant side effects. Oh, yes. Wow. Very bad side effects. Now, do you care to share which three meds you're on? I'm on Dilantin, um, 100 milligrams, Lamictal, 200 milligrams, and Amitriptyline, 50 milligrams at night. I haven't had a seizure for 20 years. My last one was in November 1992, excuse me, 1997, sometimes. And then the other thing is, though, I had the problems from Dilantin. The medication for 30 years has now given me close to getting osteoporosis. It's got side effects. But I'd rather have that problem than have the seizures. There's a catch to it, but my bones might go down. That's why I exercise every other day. That's why I eat a good diet. That's why I make sure my health's good. Um, I, one question I'll ask people is, have, have they ever come close to dying before? At times, and of course, they'll be looking at me like, huh, what? And they'll think about it, and they'll go, wow, I don't think, they don't think about dying much, which makes sense. But I've come close to dying so many times, my wife reminded me of that. It's made me think more about this gift of life and better appreciate it. What are the comorbidities that you've become familiar with in the epilepsy community? In other words, sometimes it can occur in isolation, but many times, it's a comorbidity with other things, such as uh, anxiety, depression. Oh, yes. Lights, all kinds of other variations. Yeah. There's Give a man me... I met, he's a neurologist in California, retired. And him, when I wrote my book, I also, um, he wrote his. It was um, reviewed by the gentleman in charge of epilepsy.com. And he said his book and my book were both good ends of the book, bookends of the shelf. My personal journey with epilepsy, his, the doctor explaining about people finding out on it. Anyhow, him and I got to talk and know more of each other. He told me of 12 people he had patients with epilepsy that fell in showers and died from it. He was amazed I had mine in the showers, didn't fall and die. He mentioned times people have a seizure, they put their hands on the front burner of the stove, not knowing it, and burn their hands real bad. He told me he talked to the person's father, and he said from now on, he should always cook things on the back burners. So when you have epilepsy, like with all kinds of other ailments, you realize you take different steps. You have to look at things in different ways to get your journey accomplished. But it doesn't mean you stop your journey. It means you just change it. You just look into it more about what's necessary, what steps to best get to the go-ahead with things. And that's where it's so good having family and others and by the way, I blame my wife. I tell everybody, if it wasn't for her, I'd be dead by now. I wouldn't have to be paying my taxes. I wouldn't have to be brushing my teeth. I wouldn't have to do any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good problem to have. 
A lot of people with disabilities, it's the love and care of others that helps us through the times. And then when they see us staying strong, it helps them to stay strong. So it works both ways. It works both ways between each of us. Tom, what kind of effect has this had on your whole family? Well, they didn't give me feedback. I think a lot of it was, um, they were amazed. They were impressed by seeing how my attitude was like, I had a seizure, so what, what's the big deal? Go on. It helped them to stay positive with their attitudes when they have their ailments hit them, when they have their troubles. They make them realize, well, my brother, he went through this and that, and here I'm going through this, well, I can do this. That's one thing people need to realize, and a lot of people with epilepsy do realize that. A lot of people with disabilities realize that. They stay strong. Why? One reason is other people can see them staying strong, which will give them strength, which will make them feel like they can do something. That's the old saying, uh, if you don't believe in yourself, how can you expect anybody else to believe in you? That's with the epilepsy. Uh, other people will not give me feedback on it. Nobody would say anything to me on it. But I never asked them to. As a lot of times, I think what it comes down to, they don't know what to say. They don't know what to say. My wife would just say, you know, she's, it's her, she doesn't say anything negative. She's just happy with who I am. Well, she just, your wife just tells you to take out the garbage. Of course. <laughs> take the dog out, do this, do that. I go, yes, dear, yes, dear. You know, we've got to know our particular roles. <laughs> well, Tom, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. We've been talking to Tom McGranahan, author of Under Siege, Epilepsy in the Open, all about epilepsy. And uh, Tom, it's been great. We hope you'll come back. We look forward to you continuing to write uh, very enlightening blogs for differentbrains.com. And uh, we here want to help in any way to spread your message of be positive. Be positive. Yes, yes it's uh, one a problem. Thing I got to share. Yes. How many authors, as, as anybody know of, that have written a book? after 50% of the language section of the brain was taken out. How many other authors are out there? Very good. Well, <laughs> some people say that this author here is missing 50% of his brain to begin with, but that's besides <laughs> the point. But we salute you, and we think it's great, and uh, keep up the great work you're doing. Uh, pleasure to have you here on Exploring Different Brains. Thank you, Dr. Whiteman. Thank you very much. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.com.